0: Thank you, uh, Pastor Stephen and the worship team. Um, I think I finally found my error of song. Although I also discovered I don't have a whole lot of talent, I couldn't clap my hands and stomp my feet at the same time. But thank you. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Well, we've um, been going through a series here at Calvary, and specifically this series is all about our mission statement, and our mission statement is that we go and what? Develop devoted followers of Jesus, and Pat started that off um, last week, and then this week I'm going to carry on with it, and you remember this particular um, view, let me back up here, this particular, no, let me go forward, somebody tell me how to drive this thing, There is our first, our number one mark of being a disciple. You know God and you live your life according to the Bible. And that means that we've got a whole lot to do. That knowing God begins when a person takes their first step in their spiritual journey and they finally understand by the grace of God and the mercy of God that they have sinned against the holy God. And then God in His grace and mercy brings about not only the conviction, but also the opportunity for confession and the asking of forgiveness for their sins and then the lifelong pursuit of Christ and making disciples of other people. What a wonderful adventure. I dare you to go back to your place of business and look on the wall and find out what the mission statement is there. Sometimes they're so heavy laden you can't recall what the mission is when you're in the field. Ours is very simple. We go and make or we go and develop devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So my chore this morning, if you will, is to be able to unpack what it means to know God and live our lives according to the Bible. So to start off, I want to ask you, well, I'm probably going to assume, actually, that all of you or most of you know the fairy tale of Snow White. Snow White And this story has a magic mirror, and there's an evil queen that has the mirror, actually. And as the evil queen moves through her life, she constantly gets counsel from this magic mirror. And so she says, magic mirror, in my hand, who's the fairest of all the land? And the mirror always replies, my queen, you are the fairest in all the land. And the queen is always pleased because the mirror doesn't lie. But Snow White, then, at the age of seven, is found to be more beautiful than the queen. And so the queen, when she asks, the mirror says, My queen, you are the fairest here, so true. But Snow White is a thousand times more beautiful than you. The result was what? The evil queen hires a huntsman to go out and kill Snow White. But we know that's a fairy tale. I mean, who who would walk in front of a mirror and say, who's the fairest of us all? If you do that on on mornings, don't tell us. Uh, Maybe most of us don't do that. But it's a fairy tale. And because it's a fairy tale, we take it in that light. But what if we did have a mirror like that today... Especially for the body of Christ here at Calvary or the body of Christ globally, would we ask the mirror question? And would the question be the same or would it be something more like this? I hope. Mirror, mirror on the wall, do I reflect my Savior at all? What would it say? Well, the question actually can be asked today because we actually do have a mirror. And we have a mirror that answers. James writes about the mirror in the scriptures, and it speaks to us words that are not a fairy tale, but are truth. And James writes to a people who knew the Lord Jesus Christ, and so I think that question is valid today, and it was valid back then. In fact, these particular people were not the unchurched people. They were not the unsaved people. They were the saved people, the saved Jews. And I think maybe because of the way that they responded and the way they lived their lives in Christ, that they were pretty confident that they could ask that question based upon their hearing of the word. So they would say, mirror, mirror on the wall, do I reflect my Savior at all? Turn to James chapter 1. We'll explore this a little bit first before we um, get into some some detail. But James chapter 1 has a lot to say about this idea of the mirror. Now, it doesn't really say the mirror talks, but we know the mirror talks because the reality is uh, James is telling us we need to hear the Word. Now, we know that the glass mirror on my left is not going to speak to us, but the mirror on my right will speak to us. So James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. Follow with me. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. In humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of a person he was. But one who looks intently... "...at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be pleased in what he does, or blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless." This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Father, add your insights to the Word, even as now we come before you asking for transformation. Boy, may we not do things overtly in the flesh, behaviorally, void the heart. And we thank you for the time together this morning in Christ's name. Amen. All right, verses 22 to 26, a quick uh, look real, real, uh, real quick back at them. James refers to the Word of God as the mirror. And the mirror does speak to us in reference to our own lives and in reference to the body of Christ, reference to God and so on and so forth. But there are two different ways that a man or a woman look at the Scriptures. And it's very clear that one way is to approach God's Word with merely just hearing the Word. The other way to approach it is to be an effectual doer. And so I've got a question for us this morning to, to begin our time together. Is How many of us as disciples wrestle with reading the Word, studying God's Word, and doing what it says? Feel free. Raise your hand that'll make the rest of us feel a little bit better? And then how many of us would like to hear now about what this transformed life would look like and how to get it? And again, I think all of us would raise our hands. Who doesn't want a transformed life that we might be like our savior? So there's the two fundamental questions for you to ask yourself as we go through this morning. The first warning that James gives us, he does give us three warnings in this particular passage, and he gives us three words of encouragement also. So the first warning is for those who are the unproven, if you will, the unproven doers. For obvious reasons, they're hearers only, they're not doers. And that first warning is beware of glancing just beware of glancing. And that that refers to the word, beware of glancing at the word to do a little bit of reading for whatever purpose. And then as he says later on in detail, forgetting it. When I was reading the scripture, I thought, wow, this is so typical of even us today. We've got a busy, busy world. And there's so many things demanding our attention. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word Merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's the NIV. The NASB adds a little bit, but prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So this idea of being proven in who you are as a child of God rests in what you do with what you hear from the word. And really, this whole idea of doing is wonderful. When you look at the original language, it says continually living the Word. Now, I know there's tools out there, and they're very good tools. Daily bread is one of them. and Daily bread gives out the Word, and daily bread gives a little application there, and that's good. But the reality is the daily bread can't feed your soul by just hearing it. And you understand the hearing is not just with the ear, but the hearing with the heart. So it's a continual living of the Word, and it says the, the reality of the language keep striving to do the Word. That speaks volumes to me because I know I hear the Word, I hear the Spirit of God tell me about the Word, and I try to live the Word, but it takes an incredible amount of striving to achieve what God says I should be doing in His Word. Are you there? I I would think most of us are. So the words, prove yourselves. We have to be really especially careful today. Not just Calvary Baptist Church, but in our uh, era now. There is so much of the Word of God out there. So much. Not all of it truth, I understand that. But truthful, presentations of the Word of God. I mean, we've, we've got 99.5, we've got 107.9 on the radio, we've got television programs, we've got podcasts, conferences, seminars, Sunday morning services, and all sorts of other mediums to hear the Word of God. And that's a good thing. But just hearing the Word of God can get you fixated on a spot of gaining knowledge. Just gaining knowledge. I heard... I'm a commuter, right? So I drive on a freeway and I get here and 70 miles later I'm here, but I've got about two and a half messages by that time. We can intake the Word of God for sure, but really that's not what James is telling us we need to do, to just hear the Word. This idea of being a doer involves the whole character of the person. The emotions, the intellect, and the will. Applied so that you become a doer of what you've heard God say. So we got to be careful, church, because we have an, a smorgasbord. Are there any, any of those still around? <laughs> Remember, you used to go in and just get kind of like, dum, 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 and you go out and it's all over your face, but you sure feel a whole lot warmer inside. And it was all for like five bucks. This is a smorgasbord. Oh, I went to the Golden Corral. Anybody like Golden Corral? Wonderful. <laughs> it's all that food you eat and <sniffs> Right after. OK, dig- digressing. But it, it takes the whole character of God to be able to do the Word of God, not just hear the Word of God, right? That's James Point. To help us better, better understand it, verse 23, "A man that looks at his natural face in the mirror, what's it say? What happens? If he's a hearer, what? He looks at his natural face in the mirror and then what? Leaves. So the hearer of the word, literally, means the one who is sitting passively, listening to the word, really, I pull my fingers back, with no intent to apply it. There's something about the word of God and people that feel they can just walk into a church and sit and listen to the message and then go home with this nice, warm, fuzzy feeling of having done something for God and or for themselves because it's good stuff. But the minute they breach the doorway, it fades. That's a hearer. That's what it means. They sit by passively, not actively engaged. So if someone is professing the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, even in this room and really their life is not one that's been changed for a passionate pursuit of the Word of God and a passionate pursuit of the obedience to the Word of God, they probably should check the profession of faith. Because those two things should be there. And the writer of Hebrews also addresses this idea of the, the Word being the mirror. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, God is like a mirror. It reveals the thoughts and intents of man's heart. That's scary. Any one of you in here like to go in and look at your heart? Really who you are, your emotions, your intellect, and your will? And church, that can be really super scary for many of us. Let me tell you, when the door is open and the heart is peered into, sometimes it can show the ugliness, the self-centered attitudes that we have. It can expose our pride. It confronts our contempt for others and our lack of compassion. It <laughs> hits our sinful anger and our rotten speech. It uncovers our deceit, greed, and lust. Guilty. I'll say it this way if you could unzip the flesh and let it peel open, you wouldn't like it. But it also reveals who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And the fact that you are a new creation in Christ, it reveals our purpose and our mission in life. It reveals the riches of Christ. It reveals the blessings and the promises that are ours in Christ. And the abiding love and the forgiveness and the grace and the passions of God. And much, 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 much more. There's a lot here. Why would we just listen? That's the point James is trying to get through to those who are reading what he's written. Well, the second caution that he gives us, or warning, is the idea of self-deceit. Now, this is interesting. To be a hearer of the Word without doing it leads to self-deception. The only right response to the Word of God is faithful obedience. Obedience. Everything else is deception. Everything else is deception. Instantaneous obedience, struggle pushing through, driving the flesh back, walking now in the newness of life, in the power of the Spirit of God, in obedience to Christ, is what the Word of God is all about. That idea of deceiving actually is just kind of. Reasoning alongside. I like word searches. They're super cool. You learn so much more. It's an incorrect reasoning. It is a miscalculation in your reasoning. Webster's Dictionary, uh, he defines deception as an act or an instance of the deceiving oneself or a state of being deceived. Now, those are usually right up front, right? But here's where some meat is. Especially concerning one's true nature or feelings. You're deceived. You can sit in a church and hear the words, listen to the radio or a podcast, and just kind of walk away thinking, yeah, I'm there. Deception. In other words, this man that merely hears thinks that hearing is enough. I got it. He can even memorize the word. Got it. And that by hearing it some way, somehow, he's changed. Now, God's good. God honors his word. But he doesn't honor his word to the point where you hear it and you do nothing. There's a cooperative effort with the Spirit of God for transformation. So, verse 26, you know, James says, uh, religious and religion... Uh, That's really used infrequently in the New Testament, those two words. But because James knew that he was talking to men who were proud of themselves and their behavior, he uses the words. They were proud of their outward behavior, going to the rituals, doing all the things that they were doing. Remember, they came out of being Jews and saw the light of Christ and became born again in the Spirit. Jews whom James wrote to, were professing their faith, but acting like unconverted Jews. They were doing the fast, they were doing the rituals, they were doing the tithes, they were doing all that they would do as a Jew, and yet hearing James' word. And James is saying, you don't got it. It's not just about hearing the word. So when we come to church on Sunday morning, right, even right now, you guys could be passive listeners that are, I don't think so, but that are sitting there with no intent to go out the door and implement anything of what is being said. I don't think that, but you could be. I, I don't know. I haven't, you know, unzipped and checked. So, what does it mean to be a hearer? Well, the word really means that the man is comp- contemplating himself. Hmm. Hmm. Gone momentary contemplation, a cursory look at himself in light of the Word of God. So no sooner does he contemplate his own image in the mirror than it says he goes away. It would really be cool if church would have an extended 30 minutes to it. And then we could just sit after the message is given right where we are and do some contemplation Deep. Reflection and thought on what the Word of God is to say, that the Spirit of God would have His way in our life. And even that's not enough. So meditation, He doesn't do. Pondering, He doesn't do. Listening to the Holy Spirit's counsel, no. No thoughts or attempts to practice or struggle through a walk of obedience. Just gone. That's the hero of the Word. Another way of saying it is it that He lets His mind go elsewhere. Another interest fades away. And you've heard it even now, right? I mean, I don't know about yours. My stomach's growling. Can you hear it? And we could be thinking about lunch, and we could miss what God has to say. You've got to capture the word so that it can be applied. So let's get some practical stuff here. Let's say you're reading Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And it says, now put your thinking caps on. You're here with your time with God. And it says... Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, uh, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, suddenly, then, during that time, you remember I have bitterness. Wow, I'm really not being kind and compassionate to so and so. What do you do? You tell me. Let's have fun. What do you do? I've got bitterness, I'm not living compassionate, I'm not living kindness, what do I do? Remember the word do, accent, you already heard, but now what do you do? Okay, reach out to the person, confess, pray, what other things do you do? Get up and leave, yeah, yeah, you can get up and leave and go right and talk to the person, right? That's the effectual doer. There's an action that's called for that you have to do. And if you're like me, you've got to do it quickly. Because if I give myself one moment of contradiction, one moment of running through my mind what that might look like, I may very well just cease and not go. So immediate response. All right, a third warning that James gives us is the idea that we need to be aware of forgetfulness. We need to be aware of forgetfulness. In the New Testament times, you know the mirrors were not like they are today. And you've heard this before, I'm sure. They were made out of brass and out of bronze. And you could polish them to get a pretty good shine in there. If you held them in the right direction of the sun, you can get some light there. And you could actually begin to see a vision. But the, the, the image that's there is not anywhere near close to what it really looks like. It's dim or it's distorted in some way. So it's still not clear, but you, you get something there. So if we looked in a mirror today, though, especially, play out this morning. How many of you took a shower this morning? Thank you. But well, it's cold outside, and when you take a hot shower, it steams up everything in the bathroom, right? At least in mine it does. And so you look in the mirror, and as you look in the mirror, you can see yourself somewhat. I mean, you can see your hairs flat on one side, and it's stacked. If you get super, super close, you could probably make out your eyes, and maybe they're puffier than they used to be. And you say, what happened last night? But if you wipe it off, you can see a little bit more clearly. You can maybe see the redness in your eyes. Because our mirrors are pretty good in their reflection. But what happens is, Even in these mirrors, when we look, we have an opportunity to either leave and not change anything thank you all that you didn't leave or we can make changes to what we see. So, this whole idea of forgetfulness is just a man that hears and goes, doesn't look intently into the mirror. Verses 23 and 24 he's forgetful, right? He's gone, he's gone, it's out of his mind. Uh, at least a little bit of time, it's stuck there, but it's not there now. And Do you realize that every time you hear the Word of God, you read the Word of God, you study the Word of God, all is the same thing, right? Obedience is the bottom line. Otherwise, why are you reading it? If we're not going to walk in obedience, why? Now, I understand because we have flesh, we have to hold the flesh back, I understand that. But the reality is, ultimately, obedience is what we want. So the problem with forgetting has been all around Israel over and over again. If you look at Deuteronomy 6.12, God reminds Israel. He says, then watch for yourselves that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Don't forget it. And then in Deuteronomy 8, 2, just, you know, a few chapters on from there, he says, you shall remember all the ways which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you. So the problem with forgetting is not a memory thing. It is a priority thing. In fact, I'll prove it to you. How many of you in here are parents of kids? Well, you have to be parents of kids. What is it could be a parent of? <laughs> right? So you have some children. And when you tell your child, clean the room. I know my daughter, I had to tell her that. My daughter is more like me. She's not like Robin. She's more like me. She's not... Um, uh, <laughs> No, she's. Let me look at her from the other side. She's more like me. She's bullheaded. She's stubborn. And so while we were raising her, right? We were raising her, she'd just go in the house and she'd leave her clothes and stuff on the floor. And I'm letting you into my life here, so don't spread this. Her clothes are all over the floor. And I walk in, what happened? And she's gone out of the room, right? So I go searching for her, and Robin says, eh, don't. She'll take care of it. It's okay. So I leave and I come back and it's done. I thought, oh, that's cool. I said, how'd that get done? Robin says, I did it. <laughs> so my point is, I tell her, clean your room. And the next time she did that, you know what I did? I confess. Uh, she, she, Robin folded all the clothes, put them in there. So I took all the clothes back out again in agreement with Robin, right? Yeah. And I dumped them all on the floor back where they were. And I... All right, my past career is law enforcement, right, so you have to obey the law <laughs> or penalties. So I told her, you've got to clean your room up. She goes back in, puts all the clothes back in the room again, and I close the door. I said, awesome, really good. But normally when you tell the child to clean the room and you come back an hour later, the room is just like that was, right? All messed up. So let me ask you, is it because your child has a memory problem? Do this they have a problem with what? Thank you. Priorities. Until you threaten, no, you don't threaten. (laughs) Until you promise to exercise discipline, they won't move it up on their priority list. And so you throw out the promise. Now, where was I going with that? Bada boom <laughs> Okay, the hearer of the word, the one that is the hearing and doing, the effectual doer of the word, has it up on a priority list. There's things that can take away our time that are less valuable that we push into. So as part of CBC right here with the mission statement, you know, we go... And do what? Develop, devoted, or followers of Jesus, right? That's our mission statement. Matthew 28, right, 19 and 20. And in 20, verse 20, it says, teaching them to obey. Teaching those disciples to obey. Now, I tell you, I've got a a seven-month-old, right, Uh, great-granddaughter. And she is so tiny. And it was so cool just to watch the other day how she was laying on the carpet. And, uh, you know, she's not walking yet. All my other kids walked. My kids walked by, by that time. Seven months, and she's rolling over. And it's the funnest thing to watch because she's trying to find her center you know, balance. And finally she throws she's right hand, and she throws her right hand over, and she's on the carpet. But she's on the carpet with her forehead like this. <laughs> and she's got a little rug burns after a while. But she made it. was ah, cool. Everybody applauds, right? And then from there she starts, you know, a day later, starts get, trying to crawl. Climbs up to her knees and she starts to move but she's in reverse. <laughs> All around the house. The more I see it, beep, 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 beep. She kept going. And she's sweaty. Robin reminded me she's sweaty. She's hot. She's frustrated. She's got a, real, a uh, rug burn on her forehead and she's smiling. <laughs> I said, That is a beautiful image of discipling. Beautiful. If you've ever discipled somebody before, you know they have to start by rolling over to get, get in their balance, right? Whether a new believer or a 50, Years walking with Christ, and they need to be discipled. They got a little bruise on their forehead. They're hot and sweaty and frustrated from trying to push through to obedience to God's Word. All the while, see, all the while my my, uh, great-granddaughter knew she was designed to walk, not to crawl. A new believer or a seasoned believer who's moving into an arena of their spiritual life that God's calling them to based on their hearing the word and intently looking at it is at this point and they know they're designed for that. It's worth the sweat, it's worth the carpet burns to grow in your faith with Christ. And all the while, the discipler, me, oh man, I get excited about this stuff. I see him walking. I Come on, come on, come on, beep, beep. No, 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 come on, don't don't back up on me. And I keep calling them, just like God calls me. Discipleship is, I don't know there's anything funner than discipleship. If you haven't got somebody to discipleship, there's a whole world out there for discipleship. There's a church here, they could use your discipling. So that's all part of knowing God and living our lives according to the Bible. All right, three encouragements real quick here. Um, Yeah, super quick here. Okay, the first is a proven doer. A proven doer is blessed by looking intently into the mirror. Intently. I mentioned that. This idea of intently, it's, again, a a good word. It's used um, by John and Mary when they went to the tomb after the resurrection of Christ The word literally means stooping down and peering in. The man who stoops down and peers into the Word of God is blessed. He's looking intently at the Word. There's all kinds of mirrors. I've got a couple of the mirrors down here real quick. You know, there's this this mirror here. You know, the handheld mirror. You guys have this at home, right? We all have that one at home. That's great. Um, I have one that is about five feet high, right, and real skinny. For me, it's a full-length mirror. For some of you, it might not be. (laughs) It's also narrow, makes me look good. I can't see outside the frame. But we also have these mirrors. These mirrors are for what? For, I mean, for the ease, right? They're lighter and they're simpler. But they're also for looking at the back in another mirror... So you can, right? How's it looking back there? If it's shiny or not. There's other mirrors. There is the dreaded, sometimes loved, but often dreaded. Magnifying mirror, right? This one helps you get that two-inch hair between your eyebrows <laughs> that you didn't realize was there. Or the patch of whiskers men, right there. Now watch every everybody in there is going to go start like yeah I'm talking to this guy. <laughs> you got it. It's gone. It's so the a magnifying. There's all kinds of different mirrors used for different purposes, right? Well, I said all that because the reality is that mirror right there, the Bible, that looks into your heart, is for one purpose: transforming your life. Church, it's not going to happen by listening. Looking intently. It speaks about motivation. You've got to move it up on your priority list if you're only hearing. The second of the, the blessings, the encouragements, words of encouragement here is found in the word intimacy. Be blessed by intimacy with God. Now, intimacy with God is a beautiful word. People don't really think about intimacy with God, but the reality is it's there. Later on, I won't bore you with the details, but you'll see that James changes around verse 25, 26 from saying the word of God, because he's talking to Jews. He switches over as you look into the perfect law, the law of liberty. Because of Jews, hits more directly. And stop doing the outward appearances, do it from the heart. The rich young ruler said, I obeyed all these laws since I was a youth, right? And he was told, no, you didn't. You want to believe it? Give away all your money. He couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. The third is the blessing of continued heart application. That's the third word of encouragement from James. It's found in verse 25. Continue applying it. It says and that person abides by it. Continually applying to the heart an entire lifetime of study, an entire lifetime of application of what you know, even things you've learned from in the past. So I'm going to end with this a little story. A gray-haired lady in a church, long-time standing member of the church, shook the hand of the pastor after the service one Sunday morning and said, that was a wonderful sermon, pastor. Just, just wonderful. Everything you said applies to somebody I know. You get the point, right? James doesn't want us to think of something we can apply to someone else's life or that person should apply in their life. He says, I want you to do what the Word of God says. Be a doer of the Word, not just a listener. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us this morning. Boy, you're a wonderful God. And Lord, I trust that even what was said this morning uh, was something that you will use in spite of the delivery in the lives of my brothers and sisters that they would become mature, intentional hearers and doers of your word. May they understand what it means to be intimate with their God, into me see, allowing you to look in the cracks and the crevices of their heart and boy, know full well that it's the spirit of God that enables them to walk out and do what you've designed for them to do and what they've heard. To you be the glory with every obedient step from this church and the global church around the world, in Christ's name. Amen.